Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he gave us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Thanksgiving. This is a holiday set aside for giving thanks. Sadly, many in our culture have completely lost sight of the fact that it is our Father in heaven that they are supposed to be giving thanks to, not other people, luck, or the universe, nor is it some nearly vague, objectless sense of thankfulness that that focuses more on one's own feelings than on anything or anyone external. But for those who remember, like you, to give thanks, no one can deny that there are many, many things to give thanks for. There are material blessings, houses, cars, clothing, TVs, smartphones, toys, books. There are social blessings, parents, children, spouses, friends. Political and economic blessings, freedom, choice, jobs, prosperity, and more intangibles like health and happiness, love and leisure. As Christians, we are particularly aware of our spiritual blessings, salvation in Christ, forgiveness of all our sins, eternal life, God's promises of of protection and providence, the Word and the sacraments, and so much more. It is good that we have one time a year that we set aside to give thanks for all these things because the truth is that we simply don't remember to do so often enough the rest of the year. But there is one blessing that we don't often think about as a particular gift from the Lord, even though it is reflected in just about everything that we have said and sung this evening. And not thinking about this blessing means that we don't appreciate it as we should, or as often as we should, or thank God for it as often as we should. So, let's just say it straight out now. Thank God for perspective. Perspective is how we see things. How we see ourselves, our lives, the world, other people. And if we stop and think for a minute, we realize that this is one of the things that sets God's people apart. Not just from the unbelieving world, but from everything that we would be if the Holy Spirit had not called and enlightened us with the gospel of Christ. The Apostle Paul gives us himself as a prime example of this different point of view. In the verses of Philippians 3, not included in our reading earlier, he warns against the people who would destroy Christian freedom in the gospel, really destroy the gospel itself, by insisting that salvation still requires following Jewish laws and customs. He says, beware of the dogs, beware of the evildoers, beware of the mutilation." But he doesn't next give a doctrinal treatise about why they are wrong. Instead, he explains the difference between those who believe the gospel and those who trust in the works of the law and the flesh. 
For we are the circumcision. We who worship by the Spirit of God, who are confident in Christ Jesus, and who place no confidence in the flesh, even though I have grounds for confidence also in the flesh. If anyone else thinks that he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, in regard to zeal, persecuting the church, in regard to the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. And that's where our earlier reading picks up. But whatever things were a profit for me, these things I have come to consider a loss because of Christ. But even more than that, I consider everything to be a loss because of what is worth far more, knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. What Paul is showing us there is a complete and total change in perspective. What had value to him before no longer has value. and What had no value before now means everything. Putting his faith in Christ and trusting his entire life to the wisdom and grace of God didn't just mean that he'd had his sins forgiven and been saved from death and hell. It also meant that nothing in his life or the world looked the same to him anymore. He was a new creation in Christ, and that meant that he now saw with the eyes of faith. Now, Paul obviously was not just blowing his own horn here. He was using himself as an example, an inspiration, wanting us to imitate him in our attitudes. Because we, too, have the eyes of faith, and therefore we, too, see things differently, see everything differently. We see the world and all the things and people in it as Jesus did, with the Lord's vision, or I suppose we can qualify that a bit. We start to see it that way because it's always a work in progress. And this new point of view is a really good thing, a a deep blessing worth giving rich thanks for. We see this difference in perspective all through Scripture. Read the Psalms and you will often find in them strong contrasts between the way sinners see things and the way believers do. This shows up also in the book of Proverbs and in the writings of the prophets. In the New Testament, we obviously have passages like the one from Philippians 3 that we read earlier, but Christ's parables are masterful examples of of new ways to see familiar things And they show the difference between how those who trust in themselves and see themselves in other people and and how those who trust in God do those things. Consider, for example, the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18. Two men went up to the temple courts to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself like this. God I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. However, the tax collector stood at a distance and would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but was beating his chest and saying, God, be merciful to me, 
sinner. There's quite a big difference in how those two see things, isn't there? What's of value? What's important? Who should matter to God? And that difference is good for the repentant tax collector who puts his trust in the grace and mercy of God because Jesus tells us how it all turns out. I tell you, this man went home justified rather than the other because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Or consider what we read earlier from the Sermon on the Mount and how Jesus there seeks to change our view of things. We know all too well how the unbelieving world chases after the things of this world, worrying, grasping, accumulating, striving. But our Lord, the one who saved us by giving up all the things of heaven so that he could take our place in life and death, he reminds us that trusting in our Heavenly Father means that we can leave the worrying to him and focus instead on what is truly important. We see that now with the eyes of faith. It makes all the difference. Because our natural way of seeing things, the way we are without Christ, is not at all good. Sin corrupts everything. It makes us self-centered, covetous, vindictive, unappreciative, godless, shallow, inconsiderate, short-sighted, uninterested in others beyond how they can make our lives better, finding value in the wrong things, things that don't last like, like the grass of the field. But through faith in Christ crucified and risen for us, we have been changed. We are new creatures in Christ and we see ourselves and things and people and the world and time and life itself differently. And we thank God for this because our new perspective is so much better than what we had before. One huge change is that the Holy Spirit has taken the shine off of sin for us. While we still appreciate its attraction, now we know its true costs. We understand how offensive it is to God and how incompatible it is with what we have been made and, and called to in Christ. It disgusts us when we see it in ourselves, and so we work and pray to remove it from our lives. And in turn, because we know the power and danger of sin's grip, we also work to rescue others from it and deal with everyone with patience and forgiveness, just as God deals with us. In fact, the way we see other people is one of the biggest blessings of the perspective faith in Christ gives us. We see them all as unique creations of God, dear to the Lord, and therefore also valuable to us. Never, we never see them as, as people to be diminished or devalued or taken for granted or taken advantage of in any way. Other Christians we recognize as fellow children of God and as co-workers in our gospel ministry. And those who are not yet believers, we see with compassion 
as lost sinners in desperate need of the gospel that we have been blessed to hold, as precious souls broken by evil, deceived by the devil, seduced by the world, and in in captivity to their sinful desires. Our faith also allows us to take a fresh look at the people most familiar to us. Spouses, parents, siblings, children, friends. And then give them abundant and unconditional love, patience, and forgiveness. Just as in Christ God has given to us. It's worth it to go on about our God-given perspective. As a practical example, take politics. As God's people, we no longer confuse what's good for a party or for our particular public figure with what is actually good. Good in God's eyes. Good for the church. Good for God's world. We think in the long term and care about what's best for our community or nation, even for the world and about what's best for the church and the spread of the gospel, rather than about what's best for me and my tribe. Decision-making is another example. With our spirit-guided, gospel-informed values, the choices we make and the way we make them, they're going to be not only different, but infinitely better than how we would decide if still controlled by our sinful natures. Where to live and why. How much to spend on a house and how that is different from having a home. How, when, and where to retire. How many children to have. What career to pursue and why. Who to be friends with and what to do with our enemies. And of course, what to do with all of our things and what to do with our time. And those two probably make you think of stewardship since the the 10 for 10 program has put those choices before us this fall. But whether we're talking about the money in our bank accounts or the minutes in our days, the perspective that we are given as those who are brought out of the domain of darkness and into the light of Christ means that, that whatever it is, we always ask what's important, what serves God's kingdom best, What helps us most to serve others in our various vocations? What is best for those we are responsible for? And and even what is best for those who are responsible for us? You get the idea. The gospel of Jesus Christ has given us a spiritual and eternal perspective that informs everything that we think, choose, do, and say. We know what has real value and what doesn't. And having our perspective changed in all these ways is a blessing that that we can hardly put a price on. It frees us, empowers us, even ennobles us. But all too often, when we do give this change some attention, We put it only in the category of things that we have to do as a matter of sanctification. We put the focus only on how we should think rather than appreciate the beautiful, wonderful fact that we already don't think the way we used to. But this new and gospel-powered point of view 
is something that our loving Lord has graciously done for us and for every one of His children without our even asking for it. So let's simply start now and get in the habit of saying it. Thank you, God, for perspective. Alleluia. Amen. Please rise. May your love increase more and more in knowledge and in every insight, resulting in your approval of the things that really matter, so that you will be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen.